This is an ABC podcast. This episode features surround sound. So if you want the full experience, throw some headphones on right now. How are you feeling? Are you you ready? Yeah, and hopefully people won't think I'm crazy. When I can hear my own eyeballs moving, sounds like this. The eyeballs also leave a bit of a vibration in my ear, so I can feel movement in my ear when my eyeballs move. There's a vibration that goes along with the sound, so you hear the... And you can feel it. This is why some people go mad. I'm Elizabeth Coolass. Welcome to Days Like These, a show about that one wild moment in someone's life where everything takes a swerve. Padabud, you are our lead reporter. And you're always on a hunt for a story, usually the ones that we never knew existed until you bring them to us. In today's episode, you uncover a bizarre medical mystery. Yep, it is so, so strange and so rare that most doctors haven't even heard of this thing. Whoa! So what does it do to a person? It sounds weird, but imagine hearing your own blood moving through your body, your heart pounding inside your head so hard that it creates a dizziness that'll, like, literally knock you flat. Or worse still... Imagine something like hearing your own eyeballs in your head. That sounds made up. It sounds like something in a B-grade horror film. That's exactly how the women you're about to meet in the story describe it. They've both been struggling with all of those bizarre symptoms most of their lives. But that all might be about to change. If these two women find each other, and most importantly, a cure that works. just at the hospital now, uh, waiting for the surgeon. Lisa Fletcher is 36, married with two toddlers in tow. She's a finance executive at a big male-dominated multinational. Her heart's set on the CEO gig, and she's fighting hard for it. Feeling cold. It's a bit chilly in the hospital. Um... It's early morning at an old Sydney hospital, and I'm speaking with Lisa as she's being wheeled into the preparation room for surgery. Blood pressure is really, really high. Nerve, uh, the nerves, I think, are getting a little bit to me. The nurses just told me to take some really big, deep breaths, so just trying to do that. It's as you'd imagine any hospital to be, sterile and scary. Long, eerie, fluoro-lit corridors, doors creaking, fragile bodies scuffling past on Zimmer frames, and that one anxiety-inducing flickering light. Um, the thing I'm most fearful of is, is not waking up. You know, never seeing my children again. While Lisa's been climbing that corporate ladder, she's also been burdened with keeping her condition concealed until now. Very ambitious person chasing the corporate dream and trying to break those ceilings as I go. So it's been a pretty big secret from a work context. It's something that I have lived with without people knowing because of the stigma. It's something that I've, I've lived with in silence, just trying to get on with life because I just didn't want people to think I was bonkers. 
I just didn't want that to be an excuse and to hold me back. But this thing, this extremely rare disorder, has held Lisa back. She spent years making a very tough decision to put her career on the line to go under the knife today in the hope her condition can be cured. It's a risky procedure and like any operation, there's a chance it could all go wrong. I um, really love what I do and something that I can sort of lead the way on from a female perspective and also hopefully that journey continues after this surgery, um, which is the unknown component for me, but um, get back to life and hopefully I get the promotion of work. <laughs> I'm always hoping for a promotion. <laughs> Lisa's operation should take around three to four hours, if all goes to plan. The surgeon will make an incision above my left ear. It's very visual, but he'll peel back my scalp to expose the small part of your skull that's above your ear. Go into the skull, lift the brain out of the way, go in and they do a plug and then they bone cement over the top of the plug. So it's like a reinforcement of that plug. Once they've done that, they pop the brain back down just very casually, uh, pop the brain back down, seal it with a titanium plate and then stitch up. I'm just sitting here waiting, waiting, waiting. When I first noticed that I could hear my own voice echoing inside of my head, I knew something is wrong. It's, it's, it's the reverberation that is the worst part and it vibrates in your skull. It was driving me insane. Every word I spoke, my voice was vibrating in my skull and I didn't want to talk anymore. Tanya Kidd is a little older than Lisa. Tanya's focus in life is fitness and well-being. She's athletic, lives by the beach and just adores kids so much that she works as a nanny. That was probably one of the lowest moments for me. I just thought, how will I have my own children and get through this? Yeah, that was heavy. Living with a condition like this, it's completely debilitating. You know, you, you feel so alone. You feel physically capable, but you know that there's just, on the daily basis, you're going to experience this trauma and you can't escape it. It is just so torturous. It's exactly like a horror film. Tanya and Lisa are total strangers, living on opposite sides of Australia, but they know the same pain. This condition follows them both around like a monster. What they don't know is today, fingers crossed, when Lisa comes out of surgery, they'll meet for the first time. So all dressed, ready to go, all prepped, just waiting in the waiting room now for the surgeon to come and collect me. Still wearing masks here in the hospital, so that's all very, very good fun and games thanks to COVID. Um, just need to get on with this and get it on and over with and, um, and focus on the ending point. So this strange condition is called Superior Canal Dehiscence Syndrome, or SCDS. It's caused by a tiny piece of bone missing in the ear canal, and that's why those internal body noises end up stuck in your head and your ear, and sometimes all at once. It can happen sporadically and last for days. 
For some people like Lisa and Tanya, it's there all the time. So if I just sit here really quietly and stop talking for a minute and if I just move my eyes around, I can tell you what I hear. So it's like a what I hear is sandpaper. So every time up and down, round and round, sandpaper in my ear, in sync with my eyeballs moving. I can hear blood pumping, um, blood swooshing, because it's more of a swooshing sound. Sounds like this. The more active I am, the louder it is. So the other internal organs that I hear are my heart beating constantly, which is a lovely basketball sound. When I walked, I could hear my heel strike on the ground, like a finger tapping on a microphone. I hear my neck creaking. When I can hear my own eyeballs moving, sounds like this. It's, it's not just the sound, it's the, the vibration that goes with it. Just completely overwhelming. And it's not just internal organs that sufferers of this illness hear in their heads. Some external noises can also turn into a vomit-inducing cacophony that toys with your balance, and there's no way in the moment to turn that torture off. So a, a simple thing as a motorbike driving past you, just that really loud, really intense vibration all those vibrations, instead of sort of going through your semicircular canals and coming out the other side, that pretty much just dissipates all into my head. Um, so it's like having somebody um, put a tuning fork to your brain and just seeing what your brain does in, in, a, in a vibration sense. My brain is effectively having to constantly cope with dizziness. Um, so pretty much at every point, aside from when I'm sitting down and sitting still, every other point of my day I'm sort of getting messages of where the ground actually is and the, the balance my balance system doesn't work in the same way that it used to so all those additional messages make my brain work a lot harder than the average brain it's just so exhausting SCDS is so rare that only one percent of the population will experience it and of that one percent not everybody has symptoms so you could have a hole in your superior canal or in your skull above your superior canal right now and you may not know it. Um, and you may go through your whole entire life like that. It can be genetic, caused by stress on the body or some form of trauma to that bone in your ear. For Lisa, it was triggered by childbirth. You could have a car crash, you could have a really bad flu, anything like that. You know, your whole life is changed in that instant. Tanya still has no idea what brought her SCDS on. It just crept up on her one night in bed. When I first started hearing these symptoms, um, I knew something was wrong. I found myself texting a girlfriend saying, my eyeballs are so loud right now. I mean, what a sentence. What a sentence to be writing. I was like, I can't even believe I just sent that. That for me was maddening and um, I nearly had a breakdown. Because it went from thinking that, you know, this is just going to clear up eventually to maybe I'm stuck with this. Because my symptoms didn't start until I was 30, I know what it's like to be fully functioning and I know what it's like to, to not be limited by, by your body failing on you. You definitely feel broken. You feel, 
you know, the feeling of being a burden on your family and then a feeling of, you know, even the financial component, this, you know, the surgery is not free. And the surgery is a gamble. It doesn't always work. What I'm really hoping for on that other side of that operation is silence. That'd be the golden ticket for me, um, not being able to hear my heartbeat. I think that on a day-to-day basis outside of the dizziness, you know, what I hear internally is that heartbeat, that boom, boom, boom in my ear. That'd be so amazing not to hear that. When you're going to sleep, not having to worry about whether you're going to hear it, um, the anxiety that it effectively produces about, you know, you need to go to sleep because you know the symptoms get worse if you don't sleep, and but you can't sleep because all you can hear is the basketball that's in your head rattling around. Um, you know, what I hope for is silence. In terms of support, there is a Facebook group. So it's a private Facebook group. To get into it, you have to answer a series of questions. And if you answer them correctly, they let you in. It's helpful in that it's the first time that you can connect with another person who gets what you're going through. So that's definitely the thing I got out of it was to feel heard and understood. Much as family are, are, you know, very sympathetic and empathetic and and supportive, they don't truly get what I'm going through. So for someone who's going through this or, you know, showing some symptoms, to be able to connect with other people who really, truly get what you're going through um, is, you know, it's fantastic. The biggest misconception is that that we're kind of crazy and we're not crazy. Um, even though a lot of what we describe sounds like you are crazy. And I, I know of people in the Facebook community dealing with a lot of depression. Oh, look, for, for some of the people on the group, um, you know, it, it gets as serious as it can get. You know, there's people talking about suicide. Um, people just don't want to live you know, because it's so unbearable. It's serious. I mean, there's a lot of heavy posts on that page um, because people are suffering. I mean, these are people that, you know, are expressing just despair, utter despair. Whether they've tried surgery, it didn't work, or um, they've chosen not to have the surgery. So I am um, a couple hours post-surgery, um, just sort of woken up a little bit, very groggy. Um, immediately what I noticed is uh, I can't hear my eyeballs moving, which is amazing. Um, and I've got, I don't hear my my pulsatile tinnitus as much. Um, there's a bit of cracking in my ear, but um, yeah, I, I don't hear... My head is probably the most quietest it's been in, in a long time. So that's good news. Um, but I've still had a fair bit of amount of pain and also dizziness as well. So, but so far, so good. Lisa's been in recovery at home for about a week now and all is looking well. What she's not expecting is a visit from Tanya. Remember, they live on opposite sides of the country and they've never met. Lisa, surprise! Oh my god, hello. <laughs> what are you doing here? Uh, I was speaking with our doctor and he told me that you were going to be out, so Pat organised for me to come and see you today as a surprise. Um, is that okay? 
Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, yes, of course. Come in, come in. It's so great to meet you finally. Oh my gosh, I still can't believe you're here. Uh, yeah, well, since we started chatting online, I obviously had the surgery too. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'm just so happy to connect with someone who gets just how life-changing this surgery is. Yeah, you too. Oh my gosh. Have all your symptoms subsided? I cannot believe the quietness in my head is incredible. Like, I remember waking up and just having... I, like quickly sort of looking around the room to try and see if my eyes, I could hear my eyes moving. I couldn't even hear my elbows moving like straight away or my heart beating. So it's amazing. So that's like two things that immediately were just gone. Was that the same for you? Is that your experience? Yes. Uh, yes, it was actually. I think that's probably the first thing that people do when they wake up from the surgery is dart, is like look around the room really quickly. It's the first thing I did. Yeah. One of the things I really wanted to say as, you know, a message to anyone else who has this is that just know that the surgery itself and post-surgery pales in comparison to living with the condition. It really does. To know that a tiny little bit of bone, missing that bit of bone, is what did this to me. You know, I really am every day so grateful for all of the working parts of my body. It's just all settling in just how much has changed and even the possibility um, of how much could change even as I improve and as I, you know, recover even, you know, day by day. Um, it's just such a relief and just such an amazing feeling to feel like you've got your life back. Big thanks to Lisa and Tanya for sharing their stories with us and we wish them all the best with their recovery. Today's Days Like These episode is hosted by Elizabeth Coolis, produced and reported by me, Padabud. Our brilliant season two reporters are Sam Wicks, Belinda Lopez, James Viver and Alex Lolbach. Supervising producers on this episode are Ian Walker and Rachel Fountain. Our star researcher is Tamar Cranswick. Sound design by Timothy Jenkins, John Jacobs and me. Technical support, thanks to Timothy Nicastri and Stephen Tilley. Our theme song is Yeah Nah by the Gooch Palms, courtesy of Ratbag Records and BMG. Additional music from Russell Stapleton and the Days Like These digital team are Michael Delaney and Andrew Davies. Our show's executive producers are Rachel Fountain and Ian Walker. Skipping out on everything, it feels so goddamn great. To say, yeah, nah. New episodes of Days Like These drop every Wednesday. Jump on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe now. And if you've got a story idea, slide right into my DMs on Instagram at Padabud. And you never know, it might just end up on this show. Next time on Days Like These, we go backstage with Aussie rocker and raconteur Tim Rogers as he takes us through his lifelong love affair with the original bad boys of rock and roll. The song starts off with a loping kind of drum beat. 
and then the song kicks in and then the lead singer talks about starting something up. Everything was different after that. I weighed a different amount. I walked different. I wanted my hair to be different. I wanted everything to be different. And it happened because of a song sitting in a dentist's chair. <laughs> 